Hello and welcome to another episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, but far more excitingly with me this week, we have Ben. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, For those of us that aren't uh, familiar with you and what you do in RPGs, could you give us a little intro and tell us about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Ben Wallace, um, also known as that gamer priest, sometimes on social media. Uh, I am an Episcopal priest or an Anglican priest, uh, you might say. Uh, And in addition to that, I also work in tabletop role playing games, obviously, which is why I'm here. I am the co-founder of the All Ports Open Network. All Ports Open Network has been around since 2017, doing like streams, podcasts, um, and making content around TTRPGs. And we recently launched Apon Games, our analog uh, game division of the All Ports Open Network. So I've been doing things over the years, like co-hosting um, a dating and romance uh, actual play podcast um, with my spouse, Mel, uh, doing other uh, hosting other actual play podcasts, doing interview shows, like I have a Monday night. Uh, interview TTRPG talk show, kind of like a little bit like this one. Uh, <laughs> and we recently have started uh, publishing and releasing our own games as Apon Games, which is really exciting. Amazing. So it sounds like you're quite a busy person <laughs> doing <laughs> lots of things in tabletop RPGs. Uh, specifically for this uh, next hour, we're going to be talking about your game uh, Broken, which is a tragic romance game, uh, which I'm very excited to talk about because this is a two player game and it's I think something so different uh, for a lot of people that haven't tried a lot of different indie tabletop RPGs. So I'm really excited to dig in and um, and talk about that in a bit. But before I get carried away and, uh, you know, talk about that, um, I always start by digging into the guest backgrounds a little bit. So you give us a little bit of snippet about you there, Ben, but it'd be great to know a little bit more um, about your history with RPGs. So what was kind of the first RPG you remember playing? What was your first gaming experience? Oh yeah, I remember very well. Uh, my first uh, tabletop RPG was D and D. The irony now, the classic <laughs> that I'm here today on this show. It's funny, um, but yeah, I, I, it was actually third edition D and D. I started playing mm-hmm. like right around the time third edition came out. So around year, I think it's like 2000, uh, and it was like a very <laughs> kind of embarrassingly stereotypical story of like playing in my best friend's basement. You know, Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, like late night, like burning incense, playing D and D, being ridiculous, and that was kind of how I got into it. I, we we were playing other games back then besides D and D too, pretty quickly, and eventually started playing a lot of different, like more smaller press games, uh, playing things like mm-hmm. Savage Worlds, uh, playing other generic systems uh, that were out there, and then eventually discovering indie TTRPGs, and mm-hmm. I've been playing and. Uh, making content around games ever since. Amazing. What were some of the first kind of indie tabletop RPGs uh, that you that you discovered and played? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um, so I guess we started. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if I know the actual answer to that. I I like I said I I remember playing Savage Worlds was something we got pretty into for a while. It's obviously yeah a small press game. Um, mm. You know and. We started playing, I guess, actual indie games kind of around the mm-hmm. time that the story game revolution was happening. And we were playing Powered by the Apocalypse games a lot yeah. for a while. And that was probably when I really started to dig into indie games. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say games like games like Dungeon World, games like Masks, games like... And that's that's so pretty recent history. I don't know if I remember the actual first indie game I played. 
No, that's fine. I just, I, I think there's, there's so, there's so many different games out there, yeah, um, which is, I'm such an advocate for on this show. It's what I'm trying to yeah. beat my drum and say. And I think, don't get me wrong, D and D is absolutely great, and I do see it on this show. Despite having a show called Not D and D, I do actually like D and D. Like we made Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition at, yeah. <laughs> at EM Publishing. Um, but I think indie games can sometimes explore a different side of things, which I'm kind of excited to get into. Kind of, kind of talking about. Uh, broken a tragic romance um so you kind of gave us a summary of the things that you do in tabletop rpgs but how did that start when did you start like instead of just being somebody that plays them and enjoys them being somebody that starts making content and and making games what what was that journey like yeah so it actually kind of started with video games first a number of years before it was Mm -hmm. back probably in like 2000 9, 10, 11 in that time period, we were, mm-hmm. uh, my my current partner, uh, Josh, our, my APON co-founder, and I mm-hmm. were uh, doing a different video game podcast called No Avatars Allowed. Uh, and mm-hmm. we, we did, so we did a lot of media stuff around that uh, and covered things like PAX, and that was pre-PAX Unplugged. And then mm-hmm. uh, I live in the Philadelphia area, which is where PAX Unplugged happens, which is a pretty big uh, tabletop convention uh, uh, here in the States. And we, uh, in 2017, we went to the first PAX Unplugged. I just remember we kind of got, we, had, we hadn't been in, in doing anything press related in a long time. And I just remember mm-hmm. kind of getting bit by the bug to get back into uh, it's kind of uh, the gaming industry, but from a more of a tabletop perspective, although we also sure. did bring back our video game podcast at that time. And so um, we decided to launch All Ports Open Network and that, that was in 2017. We launched uh, like five, I think, podcasts right out the bat when the website launched. And and then that's kind of how we got back into it. I mm-hmm. had this idea, a crazy idea to do a romance and relationship uh, actual play with my spouse. And uh-huh. we started playing like all of these duet, two-player relationship and dating role-playing games and, t- and like telling stories and, and then like, uh, creating our own fictional world for them to take place. And I just sure. spent the last like five years really being immersed in a lot of those kinds of games, which is partially mm-hmm. led to me writing one of them. That makes perfect sense. I've actually never played a two-player role-playing game, which is why I was so intrigued um, by your game. And I wanted to kind of learn more about that. So when you're playing a, a two-player kind of role-playing game, how does that differ from playing with a, a larger group table? Yeah, it really depends on a lot of factors, too, because Mm -hmm. uh, there are a number of different ways to play as two players. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we you could do a GM and player sort of situation where, you know, it's like looks a little bit more like a traditional maybe TTRPG. So people are familiar with. So something like you could do D&D as uh, as a duet. Um, game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be, and I've done D and D as a duet game actually with my, oh, really? with my spouse. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially during the COVID period when we were like in lockdown. You know, we yeah. played we played D and D together, and mm-hmm. when you do like in that style, you know, it just kind of it's really fun and it's not hard. The thing about taking a a, a game that's not designed for duet play and doing it as a duet, mm-hmm. it just sort of takes a little bit of adaptation. You know, it's like. Uh, sure. Whether that's, you know, you have a, you're heavy handed with your use of NPCs, like you maybe yeah. have GM controlled NPC that's like a really big part of the story, but still is not the protagonist. You let the, your player be, you know, your one player be the protagonist. Um, of course. And it just kind of changes the way you do storytelling in that environment too, where you do really have one protagonist of your story. Mm-hmm. It's like 
a party. And I really like playing games like that, like whether it's Dungeon World or, or like a fancy game like Dungeon World or D&D, or whether that's like, there's like, you could really adapt almost anything to that kind of way of playing. And then the other way of playing, of course, is something more like broken my game, mm-hmm. which is while um, we say using sort of uh, gaming terminology, we say it's a duet cooperative game because okay, it's a, G- yeah. GM-less, a GM-less duet cooperative game because there is no GM. You're both equal players. Uh, mm-hmm. The game guides you both through the process of playing and in this case, uh, and you are playing to tell the best story possible. So uh, I, I, you, when you were asking about early games that I was playing that were indie games, some of the games, mm-hmm. some of the really early indie games we were playing that didn't pop into my mind when you asked me a minute ago were the games Dread and um, yeah. Candles, which are both horror uh-huh. games. We play a lot of. We've played a lot of those games in my circle, and uh, and Ten Candles in particular is very influential on me writing Broken. That's another game where like you are working together when you're playing. It's not it's not mm-hmm. a two-player game, obviously, but you're working together to tell a really good story. So in Broken, yeah. you know, the two people are meeting each other at the table there you're kind of equal in the way you mm-hmm. are um you know there's no power differential you're not there's no gm and player you're you're both telling a story together using the, the tools of the game and the rules sure. of the game. i definitely have to get 10 candles on this show because last week that was a game recommendation by our last week's guest and you've mentioned it now so we definitely have to get them on so i'm making a mental note for that there you go. Um, but it feels like we're naturally moving into talking about broken now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. take us on to, to talk about that. Um so could you give us like a little elevator pitch, a summary of how you describe this this game to people? Absolutely, yeah. So Broken is a, as I said, two-player uh, storytelling game about broken hearts, breakups. It's a breakup game. You tell the story of a relationship going through a breakup and about breaking real life physical objects. So yes. it is a, a ritual and artifact based game. And, and, and if people are kind of newer to games, that might sound intimidating. But really mm-hmm. what that means is that you play the game through a series of 10 scenes. Um, you yeah. collect 10 physical objects that you bring to the table. Uh, they work mm-hmm. as story prompts or scene prompts. And together, you kind of tell the story of 10 scenes uh, in a relationship working towards a breakup. And at the end of each scene, you break the physical object uh, that is the scene prompt. Uh, And it's a ritual game that plays with themes like memory and identity. So you're becoming slowly disillusioned with the other person that you're in a relationship with. And uh, the last scene of the game is your breakup always. And like I said, it's a tragic game. Mm-hmm. Which, because it always ends that way. It always ends with the last scene being your breakup. So there's no happy endings in this story. In this story, there's no. In, in <laughs> there's never a happy ending. Well, there might be. I mean, the happy ending is kind of uh, not not for the couple. <laughs> You're not going to end with a, no, a happy yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, maybe maybe you tell a story where the happy ending is that the characters they needed to break up or yeah something along those lines. So. Yeah, or or maybe it's the empathy building and the kind of learning processing you you get while you're playing the game or something. Yeah, the ending. Yeah, this is absolutely my sort of game. I love the idea of that. Um, for me, I love tabletop role playing games that explore connection and relationships, and that's hundred percent what this game is about. And yeah. even though you're playing like a couple going through a breakup, 
every every game. There's so many different ways you can do that, and I love the idea of the the prompts of of breaking things as well. Um, as someone was saying in the comments, they're agreeing as well that tabletop RPGs today differ wildly from the games they're playing in the 18s and 90s. That's more traditional ones. Um, but yeah, so I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, so to give myself a little bit of direction, because I'm a bit excited, I'm going to go back and talk about the inspiration for this game. So yeah. you kind of mentioned how you play a lot of uh, games with your spouse and that you play a lot of duet games already. Yeah. Um, but one thing I noticed that was interesting when I was reading up about the game, you have written this tragic game, but you describe yourself as a hopeless romantic. Yeah, so <laughs> the juxtaposition there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, well, so I am, I'm, I definitely think I'm a hopeless romantic. I love romance genre. Like literally before we streamed, I was trying to finish an episode of a reality show I was watching. Cause I've been doing, I've been watching bad reality TV uh, as I've yeah. been doing the, as I've been doing the campaign for Broken because like I'm listening to so many actual plays of it and hearing all yeah. these breakups and I like, I want something else. You <laughs> so want something been, happy. <laughs> which is actually reality TV is not the best place to find that as I've been learning. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic for sure. And uh, in the book, I talk about how the book for Broken, I talk about how it's both a game and a memoir of sorts, because the real inspiration for the game is that uh, I, I married my high school sweetheart and we went through a painful divorce process and I had my own breakup experience. And mm -hmm. when I was processing and healing from that, I at some point had this realization that uh, in order, you know, I, I, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm also a priest, um, a pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. And I thought about like, taking my experience of divorce and doing some sort of writing around it mm -hmm. kind of from like a churchy perspective or a theological one. And, mm -hmm. um, but what I eventually came to my processing to realize is that what I really wanted to do to process was to create a game. And as, as I said, I've been playing lots and lots of, uh, you know, romance two player relationship dating role-playing games. Mm -hmm. And although in 2017, there were, or much fewer of them than there are today. There's way more games along those lines now than there mm -hmm. were then. But uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to give people the tools to tell their own kind of br breakup stories or tragic romance yeah. stories or divorce stories. And maybe mm -hmm. like through for me, writing Broken was part of my healing process. The whole craft of writing it, the whole act of like creating the game, play testing mm -hmm. it, crafting the rules for it was part of my healing process from my breakup. And my hope was that it would create tools that not everybody that plays the game would use for that reason, but that somebody mm -hmm. else out there like me who's had their own breakup experience, they might play this game and find it a little bit cathartic, a little bit healing, a yeah. little bit processing. And other people might, you know, um, have some empathy building for what it's like to go through that kind of a breakup experience. And, and most people have had some sort of, breakup experience in their lives yeah. so people can relate to it definitely and yeah i think like you were saying i think with breakups and things sometimes it's there's the sadness of the relationship between the two people but then i think sometimes depending on what your hopes and aspirations were for that relationship and and what your personal beliefs are about breaking up or divorce which can be informed by your culture or your faith or all these different things can make it such a different experience for different people as well. Um, so I imagine this game is hugely replayable. And if you're you're role playing different characters in different situations, it would be be so different. Um, yeah, sure. But to dive into the actual game, so how it works yeah. mechanically, um, you talked about 
objects and things that people are going to break. Yeah. Um, but I noticed in the rules you said as well, if people were afraid of this, and yeah. they can do popsicle sticks instead. So if some people were thinking, oh, am I going to have to smash my stuff? I, I came prepared. One. You beat me to it. <laughs> I did. I did. I did my research. I came prepared. Yeah. I just have one though. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, could you talk about the idea for like the physically breaking the objects? Because obviously there's great symbolism there for their game. But how did you you come up with that idea? And Yeah, it's this idea that was staring me right in the face while I was designing the game. The game's actually older than, and the name of the game is older than breaking physical objects. I uh, had done a lot of the writing for the game. I had worked mm -hmm. on the game uh, and gotten it to where a lot of the ritual that's in the game now, like the uh, the way you frame scenes, um, but there's a ritual you, when you frame scenes that one person says, remember when, uh, and then sets mm -hmm. the scene and the other person says, but you forgot about and adds like a twist uh, on that. And then you kind of role play out that scene. But I had been encouraged by folks who were kind of involved in playtesting or heard playtests that mm -hmm. they thought that uh, for people who are newer to role-playing games or maybe are newer to storytelling games, maybe they come out of the, uh, a more of a D&D &D background, that it might mm -hmm. be a little challenging for them to know how to set scenes. So I had been wrestling yeah. with um, a way to like write scene prompts into the game. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it just kind of dawned to me, it was like staring me in the face that the name of the game was broken. The I, I really, I'll just say this, I, I really wanted to design a game where the the actual rules and the way you play the mechanics kind of mm -hmm. mirror the uh, themes and the like content of the game. So I really want, that's what I longed for in designing this game. And yeah. I had to like set it aside for a little while um, to, and kind of get some distance from it so that I could kind of have that breakthrough. And then I just kind of had a breakthrough where I was like, Oh my gosh, it's like staring me right in the face that the scene prompts are these objects. And then you actually break them. And then you're left, what you're left behind with is this pile of broken memories, basically. And it just captured what I wanted the game to be so much that it was like so obvious to me once I realized it. So, um, yeah. And then I, you know, wanted to be aware of the fact that there are people who maybe they didn't want to break physical objects. Um, mm -hmm. The book talks a lot about like how you can collect them and how you can even turn that part of it into its own game, like going with your play partner to a thrift store or to yeah. a yard sale to buy the objects to play together. Or maybe you both separately kind of go off and, and buy your objects. Mm -hmm. So I've really just come to love that process. Uh, listening to other people play, yeah, you know, at the place has been really fun because I get to listen to their experience of doing it. And like I even one of the one of the shows that did an actual play did a random grab bag. They they just took a ton of different objects they got from a thrift store, put them okay. in a bag, and then threw them blind for their scene setting, which I thought mm -hmm. was a really interesting twist. But yeah, I knew that I should. I wanted to create like an alternative way in case people didn't want to break objects. So um, mm -hmm. that was kind of obvious to me and easy, which was the popsicle stick thing. You know, you're right. Yeah. Write an object on the popsicle stick, and then you kind of you know snap it or break it. Yeah. The end of I just broke mine. <laughs> um, and you break it at the end of the scene. And like, what's really cool about that is that I mean, I didn't do it for this reason, but like, now that I've had so many listened to and played so many games with Broken, um, mm -hmm. what I realized is like they're two really cool but different ways of playing because when people mm -hmm. get objects, like the gathering of the objects becomes such its own part of play. Yeah. And like with the creating of objects on the popsicle sticks, you can you can write anything on mm -hmm. those popsicle 
So people have come out with the craziest stuff or the most like really personal things for their game. So it's just kind of like made it a very different way of playing um, yeah. that are both equally awesome. And like, but they're, they're each way is its own experience, if that makes sense. Definitely. Do you have any examples of some objects that prompted some really nice stories you'd like to share with us, maybe from games and playtesting or games from actual plays that you've seen? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite objects we've broken is uh, we found a tiny cello that was also a music box that played the song My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> that was, like, so on the nose. Like, it was just, like, the most perfect. I was like, this object was destined for a game of Broken one day. And my my it's funny because my oldest child is a cellist. And okay. she was, like, really mad at me for breaking that tiny cello. She was very upset with me. Uh, but it was a really good object and a really good scene prompt. In mm -hmm. one of the games that I played on stream, we did like a magical girl themed game, like a like an anime style magical girl themed game. Okay, yeah. And one of our objects we created on the popsicle sticks was a volcano, <laughs> which is probably okay. the most outlandish object <laughs> that we've made. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, recently the Party of One podcast episode Playing Broken came out and one of the physical objects they broke on that was a VHS of the movie, the film Rocky. And if anybody knows okay. Jeff Stormer and that show Party of One, uh, he lives in Philadelphia, So uh, as I do. So it hit really close to home to smash a VHS mm -hmm. tape. They, they smashed it. I wasn't in that game of Rocky. Yeah. So those are just some cool ones. Um, that I, you know, that I, that are memorable. Yeah. I, I love this concept because I think something about it feels like forbidden or like you shouldn't, like you're doing something yeah. bad to break something. Cause yeah. like, especially with like games, if something's a game component, you, you don't want to break it. I had a game, um, where the, the GM as a puzzle had made this little clay pot and it had a clue inside it and we had it with a party for weeks and we we're meant to smash it, but it didn't occur to us that we should break something because we've been given this prop. And, you know, we wouldn't. And then later we realized, like, can we break it? And they were like, yep, and gave us a hammer. And it was like, oh, and it was such a moment of like, I can break it. And I think this game has the exact same moment that you're allowed to break something. You're allowed to do this. Something about that just feels really fun. Like for me, when I read this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I would love to bring like a plate or something. Yeah. Uh, the idea of smashing a plate would just feels like so like cathartic and. Oh, yeah. Not thing I do on purpose generally. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say the most fun objects to break are definitely the ones you can smash. And yeah. so like uh those are like if you're just playing this at home, like now I've been doing a lot for content recently, obviously like on streams and stuff. But if you're just like playing at home, like taking what was the one I'm trying to remember? Oh, we got a like a, a a savings bowl, like a like the kind of thing you would save for retirement. It's a like retirement fund on the side. Oh yeah. And um yeah, that was really fun to like just sort of hold above my head and smash down on the sidewalk and into a billion pieces. Uh, it's really cathartic. And the other thing that's cool about it is it like releases the tension because you're playing a breakup game. So you mm -hmm. are like having arguments with your like in character between the two characters and you're like fighting with each other or like doing these things that can be kind of tense. And then you get to do this like super fun release action of like breaking a thing and it really does help kind of pace the game out and not just make it like it's what makes it you know helps it make it fun yeah. uh, keep it from being like a miserable experience of like arguing with somebody <laughs> or break as you're breaking up with them
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the breaking things mechanic. I think it's 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 wonderful in the game. Um, so, but I will move us on to talk about other mechanics in the game. Um, sure. So, as you mentioned, these ten objects kind of prompt the structure of the game for the different scenes. Could you talk about yeah. how you set up those scenes? You you kind of mentioned the the phrases before for how you kind of how you frame yeah. that and set that up. Yeah, so in the game, you end up at the beginning of the game when you make your characters. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a reverse engineered character creation. Like, usually mm-hmm. in games, like, you know, you give your character attributes and you describe things about your character. Whereas in Broken, you actually kind of make traits for the other. Your traits are actually kind of about the other person. So okay. um, you make traits that are like, things you are attracted to about the other person or that you like about being with them or that you like about your relationship. So one of my traits might be, I love his, you know, dark brown eyes uh, or uh, he would never tell me a lie or Mm -hmm. like, I feel infinitely trusted in this relationship. Those are things that could be, you know, traits that you would write down and you write down five of these traits. You both have five of them. And uh, every scene, you're going to try to move the story towards, uh, you know, oh, so I should repeat the part about the how you frame the scene. So as you yeah. when you're framing the scenes, you're actually playing your 10 scenes out. Mm-hmm. One of you goes first by picking one of the physical objects and using it as kind of like inspiration for the scene. So if it's the plate you wanted to smash, it could be a, you know, a, a nice dinner, maybe your first date was at a restaurant. And mm-hmm. so uh, the first person would pick up the plate, say, okay, I'm going to use the plate as my inspiration for the scene. Mm-hmm. And then start by saying, remember when, so I might say, uh, remember when we had our first date at the Olive Garden? I don't know why mm-hmm. I picked Olive Garden, but <laughs> why not? It's accessible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember when we had our first date at the Olive Garden and you, you know, wore uh, a really, really standout memorable tie like a really like i was really caught surprised but the other person then adds a twist to that like they say uh but you forgot about and then adds some sort of twist like you forgot about how let's see it's a first date so it's probably gonna be something fairly lighthearted. like um but you forgot about how you kept looking at your phone the whole date you know and just kind of it was fun but we just never quite bonded the way i was hoping in that date because you just kept looking at your phone the whole time and okay. so as and then you would like role play that scene out and you would try to move the scene towards one of you becoming disillusioned with your top trait that you have showing in the five traits that you had created. Um, mm-hmm. And once, once someone is disillusioned with it, they say, I used to think, and then you would read that trait and you would burn it with like a kit. You have a candle lit, you would burn it or you would tear it up. Um, and then you break the object. So you, you would smash the plate. And then, and, and that can happen at any time. Anytime either of you feels like you have become disillusioned with that thing, no matter what's happening in the scene, the scene ends right there. And you say, I used to think, and you end the scene and you do that. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I said, you can role play out the scene, but what's really been interesting about Broken for me as like the creator of the game, watching people play it and listening to people play it and me being in all these different, you know, plays of the game is that uh, you don't really even have to like, do the traditional role play thing where you kind of both role play out your characters. Uh, I was in an actual play stream with somebody recently where we ended up just kind of naturally, this is kind of the way we played. Like it just was what felt natural to us. We kind of did more of like a descriptive thing. We described it like rather than like embodying the characters and playing as them, we kind of described the events of the relationship and how we ended up breaking up together. And it was a really fun way of playing. So the game has a lot of flexibility for the kinds of stories and ways of playing Mm -hmm. you can do. 
I, I mean, I love it. It's, this, this is totally my game. I'm just so going to be playing this. <laughs> um, oh, I was thinking, yeah. I'm I'm playing a different role-playing game and yeah. our um, two characters in it have like quite an angsty, emotional relationship. And I was thinking after the campaign, we could play this with the characters of that game using this to kind of get some closure on that. But anyway, it's just another idea. People keep saying that to me. People, mm. I've, you're like, um, some uh, other people have said the same thing to me where, where they've said, I have this other game I'm playing and I would love to use Broken to like break up these characters. Or actually one of our play tests mm. was actually two D&D characters. And yeah. they like, the D and they weren't romantic. They were just in a party together, but they had gone their separate ways and they decided to use broken in their play test to like tell, you know, do a deeper dive into that and like yeah. why they ended up going their separate ways. So speaking of the flexibility, it's been amazing to me to see the way people play mm -hmm. different kinds of stories, even not romantic stories with it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, of course, because I suppose any relationship can have, can break down and have issues and things. So Absolutely. that makes perfect sense. Um, with this scene you talked about there, you um, mentioned the first person with the first prompt said like a positive thing about it. And then the second person did like a negative twist. Is is that the structure for all of them? Or was that just an example for the way it could be done? Or Yeah, that's basically the structure of how the, you basically do that mm -hmm. for, for nine scenes. And then the last mm -hmm. scene, the breakup scene, you don't repeat mm -hmm. that ritual. Instead, you both remember this, the, the thing the same way. Because I, I find that... Um, with relationships, especially ones that are going through difficulty or whether they're, you know, whether they've broken up when people mm -hmm. are having relationship problems, a lot of times they don't remember their fights the same way, or even okay. like remember their days the same way. Like I re might remember a date being awesome and having just a great time. And yeah. the other person might remember it very differently than that. And so yeah. nine of the 10 scenes give you that experience, but the 10th scene, the breakup scene, you, the idea is anyway, that, mechanically that you remember it the same way so you decide together okay where does it happen when does it happen how does it happen you do mm -hmm. use your last your 10th object as a prompt for it but you kind of decide how to do that together uh mm -hmm. and then you you know basically go through the process of having the breakup conversation yeah oh <laughs> um Sorry, I'm just I'm just thinking of all the different stories you can tell with this. My mind's yeah. going with it. Um, so, with how would you recommend pacing the game, or what what guidance do you have in the book? Or because mm -hmm. obviously you've got ten scenes, so you don't want to like escalate really quickly and then have nowhere to kind of go. So, how do you how do you manage that as a player? Yeah, so we invite people to basically when they they create their five traits each at the beginning of the game for their characters mm -hmm. uh, to simply you're going to put them in a stack. And you're going to only ever have one showing at a time for each of you. Uh, and so when we tell, we kind of give, the game has a really interesting way of pacing itself out because as you're kind of new to, I have heard, I've heard people play and seen play tests where people got into fights, pretty massive fights immediately in the first scene. Amazing. Amazing. Naturally, Great. Most people that come to the game don't do that. It kind of, they kind of naturally kind of start telling the story uh, because even if they're playing characters that have been together forever, like this is the first scene you're playing. So it's pretty mm -hmm. natural to kind of like ease into it and kind yeah. of let the story take you. But we do encourage people to stack those five traits from kind of the like least serious to the most serious. So that you can kind okay. of like help each other craft like the story you want to tell. So like if my stack has the thing I said before about the um, like his 
dark brown eyes or just a really alluring or whatever is one of my traits. And one of the other traits is like, he would never tell me a lie. <laughs> um, I would probably put that one towards the bottom of the stack. Cause I know that's going to be a big fight to become disillusioned with that one. Whereas yeah, yeah. The, 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 the brown eyes or something, you know, it's a, it might not take as much to become disillusioned with it. Um, but you know, the people playing the game, it's your story to tell. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if you, you can kind of tell it how you want to. And if you want to tell the story of a couple of uh, two people that are like fighting a lot right away from the beginning, then you mm -hmm. can. Um, but the game kind of paces itself out. The other mechanic the game uses is it uses a message or voicemail mechanic. After the first okay. three seasons, you go aside from each other, like in real life, and mm -hmm. you record a voicemail uh, message okay. uh, for the other person. Um, so you can like take your phone and like leave yourself a leave them a message on it. Uh, and that's meant to be kind of like early in kind of the, like you're still at that point reveling a little bit in kind of the new relationship energy. Again, even if like your characters aren't experiencing new relationship energy as players, you are, cause you've only done three of these scenes. So you're pretty, yeah, yeah. so kind of getting to know each other in the relationship, the fictional relationship. Mm -hmm. And then after the 10th scene, once you've had the breakup, the last thing that happens is you play those messages back for each other uh, for the first time so that you hear them. And that's the, that's the way the game ends. And that kind of itself, helps with that arc we were talking about before too because when yeah. you leave that message you're still in that faith mindset of like i'm trying to make this relationship work in character you know out of character yeah. like, that's going to break up but in character you're like oh you know you're i'm sorry it, yeah. I, play. I i really hope that we can like have a good weekend together you know so i don't know something along those lines yeah, yeah. it helps with the pacing also yeah i'm I, I'm just wondering all the different, I'm just wanting to hear stories about it now. So I'm just going to ask about playtesting, like yeah, how sure, long sure. did playtesting take? And um, what was that process like? And also if you have any great little stories and moments you'd like to share with us from playtesting. I, I <laughs> sorry, I really memorable. Yes. Uh, but we, yeah, so playtesting took a while. Like we've been mm. working on this game. I, the game, the idea for the game popped into my head like started to germinate pretty quickly after we started doing pot of love, which is my podcast I was talking about mm -hmm. and we're playing relationship and romance games. Uh, and so we kind of started play testing it not too long after that. And we even recorded an actual play play test for pot of love before your breaking objects, even as a theme. So okay. the process took a long time. We invited other people into it, had other people play the game and like basically just play the game, give us their feedback uh, listen to plays of the game, give us their feedback and, um, read various versions of the rules and give us their feedback. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was a really good process. It was really helpful to take, and we're still in some ways in that process because the version of the game that's out there now really is like, it is the game. Uh, it's what we've been playing and someone could easily, if they back the itch funding for the game today, they would get the version of the rules that everyone's playing a full color version of the book, ebook. Um, but we are between that and the final version, once it's funded, there'll be even more tweaking. So we're still in the process of like making probably less substantive ones in some ways than we used to, but still listening to that feedback uh, still listening to um, the playtesting to kind of refine the game and refine the rules. Uh, but there was, 
There was some really interesting ones. Uh, the mm-hmm. the one I mentioned that was like people playing D and D characters was really interesting just because of how different it yeah. was. But somebody played. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's hard for me to even say it without laughing. Somebody played Benjamin Franklin, the historical figure. Okay. Childhood best friend, which was a talking raccoon. I think it was. It was an animal. Okay, sure. didn't see that coming. Right. Okay. You know, right. Either did I. Either did I. Uh, and they played their breakup and they, it, and it was even a like murder or it was even like a murder conspiracy, like assassination subplot line in their story where they were like, like the talking animal was going to assassinate George Washington or something. It was just like so out there, <laughs> so, so different. And I just remember thinking like, wow. And they still really enjoyed it. And they still had a vicious, pretty vicious breakup with a lot of arguing, arguing at the end. So I thought, wow, this game can tell definitely a wide variety of stories. Yeah. Playing it. The tone of that is very different as well. Because immediately I went to my little angsty melodramatic mindset because of yeah. who I am as a person probably. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you can also play quite a lighthearted, because I imagine that was quite comical, that, that example you just gave. <laughs> Okay. Because it was comical, like, like, right, like there was even people watching it played. And uh, so everyone was kind of laughing uh, and mm-hmm. they were kind of like being silly. But the like fighting in, in character arguing, you know, it, it's interesting how you can kind of laugh at something and be silly about it, but then also like really pretend to fight in a way that feels more real. And so it did kind of slip mm-hmm. into like uh, some moments of true to life arguing, um, yeah. even though the content, even though the like scenario itself was really you know, kind of silly. Um, yeah. yeah. So I learned from that too, that it is, it is possible to play a more lighthearted version of, of broken. Although most versions of, of the game I've seen played, yeah. even if they start out more lighthearted, you know, they, they, they get dark by the end. I mean, I imagine just because of the nature of the, the yeah. topic. I mean, and speaking to that as well, um, you mentioned in the book you have about safety tools and mechanics. Yeah. Um, so it'd be great to talk a little bit about that, about what you advise for people approaching this game and how we play it safely and make sure everyone's enjoying it. Yeah, so um, so safety tools are definitely hugely important and we knew they were going to be for designing this game. And so I talk about safety tools in the book. I talk about mm-hmm. recommending people to use the X card. Uh, if mm-hmm. you want to know what that is, it's just kind of, it's a X on a card that you put on the table and you can uh, touch it at any time to say, I want to stop mm-hmm. what's happening in the game and move on from it. Um, I talk about lines and veils in the book, but we actually, yeah. one of the things that we're still working on is safety tools because okay. one of the things we're funding through the itch funding campaign is our safety design. So uh, mm-hmm. the creator of the safety tool set script change is Bo Sheldon uh, of Thoughty Games. And Bo is actually our safety designer and consultant on the game. So okay. that's still one of the things that we're working on right now because what we're going to do is kind of take script change tools which are based very familiar to people because it's it's concepts people are really familiar with from like watching. Well, if you're like me and you grew up watching VHS tapes and DVDs, I guess mm-hmm. it's the same stream, but they're like rewind, fast forward, pause, uh, mm-hmm. like you're watching something. And those are actually the tools you can like rewind, mm-hmm. you can pause, you can say, I want to fast forward through this. It's, it's familiar concepts that work as safety tools. And we're going to like mm-hmm. layer those safety tools into broken so that they become a seamless part of the game and the mechanics. And um, 
aren't as maybe disruptive to the rules as say like the X card is because uh, mm -hmm. the X card is a great tool, a great tool that I really yeah. like and use a lot. But it, I don't think it's probably the best tool for broken because it is a very kind of disruptive and jarring safety tool that like takes you right out of the game when you use it. And the hope is that by layering in the script change tools and like writing custom tools for broken that mm -hmm. we'll end up with a game that um, helps people have a good experience. You know, I, it's really important in a game like this where you can delve into like serious and emotional stuff to yeah. like kind of be respectful of each other at the game table mm -hmm. to be aware of that, to like talk with the person you're playing with to make sure you want to have the same kind of experience and you want to yeah. approach the subject matter the same way. And that's to me, the most important safety tool is like yeah. respect and like listening. And then the tools themselves, they help you to have to create that environment mm -hmm. uh, and to keep that environment that way. But, you know, like it starts with definitely having a conversation, especially if someone wants to play this game and really get into some topics that are close to their own personal real life experiences. Yeah. And one of the things we talk about is the idea of bleed, which is kind of a LARP mm. kind of comes out of the LARP community. Um, yeah. But, you know, this idea of like, my real life experiences like we obviously designed wanting to give the framework where some bleed can happen so that you can do some mm -hmm. process of your own breakup experiences and whenever you have bleed involved I, I just think it's really important to talk about that with the person you're playing with so like if you want to have want to have a game where you're like touching on your real life experiences the book talks about making sure that you discuss that with the person you're playing with so that they're not just sort of surprised into that kind of situation yeah, and with like uh, bleed between the player and the character, so those emotions becoming, you know, just for people unfamiliar with the term, um, I'm familiar with that from LARPing. And I think it's really important to look after other players when you notice that. I had um, a, a game I was playing the other week with some friends and we were doing a scene and actually the game master no noticed one of the other players, we were doing a subject that they knew and their personal life was closed. And the player was like kind of enjoying and having fun, but they paused the scene and they're like, I'm just going to pause this scene for a moment and come out of it. And they took the player inside and spoke to them. They're like, oh, actually, yeah, I hadn't spotted that. But now now I've stepped away from the situation. I can see I need a break. So I think with, with character bleed, it's not just um, sometimes safety tools talk about, oh, as a player, you need to say what you don't like and put your hand up and do that. But I think yeah. the best ones is where we're all looking out for each other in that yeah. way as well and spotting really? things in advance. Um, so it's yeah. great to hear that's an important part um, kind of of the game. And you mentioned you are crowdfunding right now as we yeah. speak. And I'm sure everyone that's been listening to this has been like, well, I need to go and purchase this game. Um, so could you, I put the link uh, in the chat and if you're listening to the podcast, it's in the show notes. Um, so could you talk us about to us about the campaign and, and where you are and what's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. So as we are doing this live right now, the game uh -huh. is crowdfunding on itch. We're using an itch funding model as an alternative to Kickstarter to fund mm -hmm. a digital version, an ebook version of the game. And we did fund the final, like the full version of the game to pay for. Yeah, it's really exciting. We actually funded within 25 hours. We missed 24 hours by nice. one hour. So we really leaned into it. We've been leaning into the joke uh, that we funded yeah, yeah. in 25 hours. And Amazing. Uh, yeah, so we're working on funding a stretch goal right now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we're like little slightly less. We're about $150. So we're like literally $149 away from the stretch goal um, right now. Wouldn't it be great if we managed to, during this stream, get that over the, the couch? Oh, that would be amazing. That. 
I'm just saying, people, if you're watching this and you think that sounds interesting, why not go to the to the link there and uh, and make that happen? So I actually haven't pledged it, so I'll I'll be certainly doing that after. Oh, this well, thank you. That's, sure. that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I love I love this game. But anyway. So folks, yeah, folks, if you, if you do want to do that right now, you can go to bit.ly slash broken game. Uh, but yeah, so we are trying to fund our stretch goal is uh, mm -hmm. a, a set of scenarios. And so I really wanted to do the scenario book, which was basically to bring six writers who aren't me to like write a set of pre-written scenarios for the game. So the, the two characters, their meet cute or how they met. Uh, mm -hmm. their kind of backgrounds, you know, and then like the traits that you become disillusioned with for them. And then the ten, a set of 10 objects to either collect or destroy. And I really wanted to bring in uh, a different writers to see what they would do with it, what kind of scenario they would write for people to play in. And then if mm -hmm. you're thinking about playing broken people who pick up the book, they might not know what kind of story um, they want to play. There will be six pre-written stories they can jump into and make their own um, and play through them and play those characters and or get inspired by them like you know you might read one like one of the ones that we're gonna that we're gonna do is a vampire scenario so you might read that and okay. get you know inspired by it and say like oh mm -hmm. well what if we did werewolves instead or i don't know something along those lines the vampire one's an interesting one because you're immortal and i imagine yeah. a relationship if you're immortal is <laughs> different <laughs> to, to if you're not you know it's a uh, yeah yeah absolutely that's that's I, that's what makes me excited about that scenario uh because i want to see what the person does with that as far and what people do with them they play it as far as time like this idea of like being in on a relationship with somebody that takes mm -hmm. place over hundreds of years potentially could be really yeah. interesting definitely and the range of different objects you could have as well if you were playing over a, a time of history as well could be, be really different those scenarios sound awesome though you're so close to getting that goal so i hope uh hope that gets achieved soon like i said uh the the link is in the show notes up on the screen now and in the comments if you're watching live yeah. uh, i just pledged while we we're talking then oh, so it's very so quick much. and easy to do uh so <laughs> uh so please i'd recommend uh to go and do that um i also noticed uh samantha lee did yeah. um like a musical kind of collection playlist for you for that that's um, right. There is a, a curated official playlist there by Sam, uh, who is the designer of the game Anamnesis. I, I think is is she going to be on this show? I think I saw she that she is coming on this show later this month in a few weeks' time as well, which is why I noticed it and I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. She's so she's coming on the show to talk about her game. Soon. Yeah, she's also one of our uh, stretch goal writers. She's one of the scenario writers. So if oh, we amazing. hit that stretch goal, um, Sam's going to write one of our scenarios. Uh, she's yeah. such a great game designer and she's really great at making those playlists. So yeah, folks want to go check out the campaign page. You can, I always tell people hit play on the playlist, start mm -hmm. listening to the music, get in the mindset, get in the mood and, uh, and then read about the campaign. If people want to also, there is three of them left where you can back at $50 and play a game of broken with me. So if folks want to play with me, the creator, there okay. is still three of those hanging out there. You have to scroll all that, the way to the bottom to get to them. Sorry. Will that be streamed as an actual player? Will that just be like a no, no, just private be a one? Thing. Just yeah. yeah. Just a thing for that for that person. Uh, mm -hmm. Just will be a. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but if somebody really wanted to stream it, we could potentially talk about that. But uh, no, it's more of just like if someone wants to play with the creator, they can back at that level and then That's play cool. a game with me. 
Amazing. That all sounds really, really great. Um, we are coming up to near the top of the hour. So if you are watching live and you have any questions, now is the time to put it in the chat and uh, ask us. Um, although, of course, I'm sure if you have any questions afterwards uh, or if you're listening to the podcast, uh, if you uh, go on social media, media, <laughs> using the words, uh, to that Game of Priest, um, I'm sure Ben would be happy to answer your questions later about the game. Absolutely. And all the links, again, are on the crowdfunding page as well for all the various kind of ways to get in touch um so ben i would usually now say are there is there anything you want to tell us about the game that you haven't had the chance to yet or is there a question you wish i would have asked that you'd like to answer uh no nothing kind of springs to mind i'll just say that as the campaign has gone on and i've i already kind of did touch on this but i've just been so surprised i guess like to, I don't know if surprise is exactly the right word because it's what I wanted the game to be. But like the variety of stories that people have used it, mm-hmm. have told with it, like has just been really cool. And I wanted to make yeah. the game to be flexible so people could tell a wide variety of stories. It's like one of those things where like you try to gain something and you think you have, but then like seeing that happen has been really cool. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's just like one thing I would just echo is that it tells a a really wide variety of stories so if folks are like like oh i don't know if i want to play a breakout game you'd be surprised at like what you can do with it um or Mm -hmm. like you know even if like oh i don't know if romance sounds like my genre like you know one of the games that we did was uh a father and son partnership Mm -hmm. who owned a business together and they uh ended up you know, so so like I, I suddenly feel like I'm making the game like I'm I'm not I'm not trying like it's a romance game and and I'm and I and it's certainly a breakup game and so most of the stories are probably going to be that that people play but I've just been really amazed at how flexible the game could be and like the really wide variety of stories that I can tell. Um, yeah, so. I I think definitely I think even within just like uh, romance, there's so many different stories I could instantly think of just from the different relationships and the complications for it. First of all, if you were just if if um the age you are like if if yeah. you were just in high school and you're breaking up or if you've been married or if you're if you have children and made a family together or if you, there's so many different situations and also like you say if you think about it from the perspective if you're role playing from somebody that's like perhaps a different culture or faith from you think about how that would be a different story to influence kind of kind of that decision Absolutely. um so yeah, I think there's I think there's a huge amount of replayability in this, and I'm very excited about it. Um, the other question I have for you, which I ask um, everyone, uh, is what games would you recommend that aren't um, games you've made and that are not D and D? Yeah, so if folks are really interested in like the romance genre or adjacent, one of my favorite games that was very influential on Broken was uh, definitely Starcrossed by Alex Roberts, which is a game where mm-hmm. you use a Jenga tower to uh, to play a like Starcrossed lovers kind of romance. Okay. And like, uh, you know, we want to be together, but we don't for different reasons kind of story. And it's like high tension. It's really good and really fun. And mm-hmm. the uh, romance trilogy from Emily Care Boss is also just a really great collection of three romance games that I really enjoy. I also am a really big fan of superhero genre and especially young superheroes. So Masks, the Powered by the Apocalypse game, mm-hmm. uh, is just absolutely one of my favorite games. I I, yeah. I also GM an actual play of it called mm-hmm. Delinquent Comics, and I just love. So one of our scenarios in our stretch goal 
for the stretch goal I mentioned will be a uh, young superhero one. I just love young superhero stories. Uh, and so, yeah, Masks is definitely one of my favorite games. Uh, I, w- I actually thought about recommending Anamnesis, but you said Sam's going to be on the show in a couple weeks. Well, you weeks. can recommend it, and we'll have her on in a few weeks to delve into more details. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Anamnesis is a solo game, and mm-hmm. I adore it. And then one more, if I might pitch one more, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, if folks are interested in like the ritual aspect of play that mm-hmm. I mentioned, and maybe a kind of religious um, game, there is Manish Tana, Why Is This Night Different? which is mm-hmm. uh, written by Gabrielle Rabinowitz and Ben Masagno. And it tells the story of, it's a basically a Passover game. It's inspired oh, okay. by the Passover Seder, uh, written by two Jewish game designers. And you uh, use ritual play to tell a retelling, a reframing of the Passover story. Uh, oh, and wow. it's a really, really amazingly well-designed game. So, and of course, there's all of our, uh, those are games that are not ours, but, Apon Games has other games, and I would definitely say people should go to apongames.com and check out <laughs> our games. I mean, of course, who wouldn't do that? And uh, links up on the screen there for people listening and in the show notes if you're uh, listening to the podcast there. Um, well, that's taken us up to the top of the hour, Ben. So I'm going to start to wrap up the show there and yeah. say thank you so much uh, for you. your time. Thank you for coming on and sharing your um, your game with us. I'm very excited uh, about it and um, I've definitely backed the to support, pledge to support the game and if everyone else would, that would be fantastic. The links are there because um, the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their things. Um, <laughs> uh, so we will be back with Not D&D next Monday. Uh, so next week we have Brave Zenith uh, which I'm very excited about. So this is a post-fantasy RPG, which is inspired by Brazilian culture. And it's a very different kind of uh, storytelling mechanic again. Um, so something very new, very different, uh, which I'm very excited to show with you. And that'll be next Monday at 10 p.m. BSD live streaming. Or of course, you can listen to the podcast. Uh, just look at Not D&D wherever you're listening to this, I suppose. Um, but uh, on that note, thank you very much to everyone that came along uh, and watched us live. And again, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, no problem. And uh, you know, if you have any other projects in the future, I'd be more than happy to, to have you back on again. So stay in touch. Awesome. Definitely. Okay. All right. Thank you very much then. Bye.